I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Lost Words podcast. It is the PGA Championship, which is the first major of the 2020 season. There's a bit of a delay after all of the uh, pandemic that we've been through, but it's uh, certainly one to look forward to. I'm joined today by Jason as ever. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Marvellous. And we've also got Ben Coley from Sporting Life again. Ben, thank you for coming on. A pleasure. Two weeks in three. So sorry if you've lost a, a few specific listeners, but we'll try and get uh, a few more onto the onto the tally. It's nice to speak to you both anyway. I think it helps us out really. We don't want to... Uh, Net positive. Want to, there you go. It. <laughs> Indeed. Um, look, I know, um, you know it was a good event last week. I think uh, I think a few players kind of checked out after a, you know, a, a poor start, but uh, Tom Lewis certainly showed us what it can do if you, if you stick at it. Um, and in the end, we've got two top-class players fighting out. Ben, I know you'll be uh, flicking your wounds from last night still a little bit. Yeah, it was it was a hard watch after a, a difficult day, but um, it was another great finish, I think, for the neutral. I, I don't know if there is any such thing, uh, watching golf on a Sunday night with no real care for who wins. Um, good luck to you if you are one of those people. Um, but for the neutral, if, if they do exist, it was, a, it was a great tournament. And, you know, Justin Thomas, I think, is the, is the best player in the world. Um, just, I mean, if you'd have asked me two months ago, he's my favourite player in the world, but he's probably, uh, <laughs> he, I think he's behind a few people I really don't like now on the list. So, um, But look, he, he took his chances. He had a bit of luck and it's the things that often separate winners and, and also runs, you know, at, at the Workday Open, a, a player who what, has won 13 PGA Tour wins now, hit a couple of bad shots and it just so happened that Colin Marikawa took advantage one way or another and and it's just the the way things fall sometimes so i mean i'll I'll be honest the big frustration i know this isn't about me and and the the tips i put up or whatever really but the big frustration for me with brooks and the way it was different to any other difficult conclusion and 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 that would apply for thomas dietry earlier in the day is that you know he's 10 to 1 this week and he was 33 to 1 last week and you'll, you'll both know what it's like when you go against the grain which i think that selection was I'll be honest, I think it's the best selection I'll put up all year. And for it not to win when he went odds on is, is galling. But there you go. Uh, we'll bounce back this week when uh, when Harris English wins the uh, PGA Championship. Yeah, certainly help us out. I'll certainly get a few more listeners, I imagine. But Jason, did you learn anything last week from the event that you sort of took into this week? Or have you, has your sort of feelings not changed at all this week based on what happened uh, just in that tournament in Memphis? I've made my main bet. Um, it, but my main bet has definitely changed, yeah. Um, so for me, you, you, I know you're going to put a Webb Simpson because you do for everything, even the presidential election. <laughs> um, and for me, um, we always talk, we, we have, I have this thing about grouping players, which I don't care whether you like or not, I do. So I have a Webb Simpson, Daniel Berger, Kevin Kisner type player in my head. Kisner's now out of that group because Berger and Simpson are uh, ahead of him in uh, results, talent um, and current form. And I think, like we always say, we always mention about the pride. I don't know if we're supposed to be giving our selections now, Tom. I do apologise. Um, so, yeah, I learned one thing from last night. Had a big study of him today. And um, one of those is definitely my main bet of the, of the week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to our selections uh, slightly later on. But, um, you know, Harding Park is a past 70 this week after uh, playing as a past 72 before. It's 7,234 yards, which by major standards isn't long but it looks like it could uh could lead to some trouble out of the rough if uh, if you get into it ben this week yeah i think it could do i think uh, there's a lot of angled tee shots and it's, it's a fairly interesting course um you know it's not often we see a municipal 
um, host a, a tournament like this. They'll have had to do a lot of work to it um, just to make sure it's it's sort of ready for, for the best players in the world. But yeah, I think there'll be a lot of shots played out of the rough because I think there'll be a lot of drivers here. Um, and I think it'll be tough, you know, and Tiger and John Daly didn't make it look that difficult in 2005, but they've changed it a lot since then. And if you go back to the match play in 2015, when, when Rory won, I think he, he had one day where he shot six under or so. But if you look generally, a lot of matches are won in two and three under, which, you know, it's match play and, and the usual caveats apply. But um, the, the greens will be tough. You know, they'll be firm, but perhaps a little slower than a lot of players would be used to. And um, they're really hard to read because the breaks are subtle. It's not like at Memorial where, okay, they're not easy, but you can see the break right in front of you. Um, I, I think it'll be tricky. Um, it won't be impossible by any means because that's not what the US PGA or the PGA of America rather um, go for. They, they want fair. They want exciting. You could have a day this week, I think, on Saturday where they push the tee up on 7 and 16 and you get two drivable par 4. So I think it'll be quite a lot of fun. Um, but it, to an extent, we're, we're a little bit in the dark with the PGAs. We often are because we go to courses that have either never had it before or, or have not had it in a long time. And that, that makes for a fairly difficult start point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a key point there. But also, Jason, do you think there's any uh, differences in the fact that it's the first major of the year as opposed to this either being typically the second or the, even the last major of the year, certainly over the last few years? Um, just the fact that it's been brought forward and, and is the first one to come against all these you know, players that are in a lot of form at the moment as well. Yeah, I think the, when it was the fourth major, I, you know, for me, it, it, it was in effect sort of uh, an enhanced WGC. Um, it used to be the three majors. Obviously, we know the three majors. We're all excited about the Masters for various reasons, history and course form, etc. Um, US Open, obviously, they tried to make it as impossible as they as they possibly can get, and that was great fun to watch. Um, our Open is always fantastic, especially if the weather arrives. It's at, you know, we no idea, and you've got to be a certain type of player, completely different. Um, course to, to what they play the rest of the year and then we came to the USPGA which for me was always lobbed on at the end to give everybody else that wasn't good enough to win the other three a chance to win a major and if you look back at the history there are those that are there you know your dufters etc etc um, that aren't good enough to win a major and, and the PGA was that this definitely seems to have more gravitas um, being the first major since um, lockdown um, it's definitely got more about it um, and I think the players will approach it in, in a much more serious is probably the wrong word, but, uh, you know, a, a much more um, learned manner than than lobbed on at the end of a year. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's uh, it's it's improved its status by by being here, whether that's by fluke because of covid or or by design. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things you said there is this was a kind of major championship that the other players tend to win and you used to get someone to win their first major here and you used to get some surprise winners like a, you know, a Jason Duffner, a Keegan Bradley, Jimmy Walker, people like that. But also, you know, is it a case of people running out of steam at the end of a season? You know, there's been three really hotly contested majors and this one's just at the end, whereas everyone's going to be kind of peaking for this major this time around. Ben, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's an interesting um, point of view. Um, I, and I think it, to some extent it, it coloured my preview, to be honest, because I think there are a lot of players here who have tried to pack a whole season into three months or, or two months even. Um, you know, Matt Wolf, I think he's playing the ninth week running. I know he's young and um, he'd probably be OK, but it, it's definitely not ideal. And, and the situation has forced people into doing things a little differently with a couple of exceptions. You know, Tiger Woods is probably the other way he's only playing for the second time Tommy Fleetwood's obviously with a young family taking a, a a different decision as well to spend a lot of time practicing out in the Hamptons and and not really um 
worry about tournament golf until two weeks ago. So there are loads of different ways to approach it. But um, I, I certainly think there will be players here who've run their race because I think it's not just that the PGA Tour has been going, you know, this is I think the 10th event back or the ninth week because we had two events last week. So many of them have been of this standard or close, you know, close to it. Events like the Memorial and even the Travelers, when you've got all the best players in the world taking part, um, every event has felt significant for all that we've not had spectators there. And I think there will be players who've probably done a little bit too much too soon. And one of the trends, I suppose, of, of this two months has been that they've kind of all taken their turn. You know, everyone, John Rahm dynasty lasted one week. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau's lasted about seven holes. Um, <laughs> and and now we've got JT, who's win- taken his turn to win. And look, I'm not going to say he's not going to go and win again. And I think he's probably the right favourite. But it wouldn't at all surprise me if you look at one of those others, be it Rory McIlroy, be it Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantlay or Tony Finau, dare I say, or even Tiger Woods himself. So they've all been taking their turn. And I think um, there are some who've probably done a little bit too much too soon, as I said. And when we were talking earlier about so trying to find, obviously this is a course that's not often used for a major championship, well, it's not been used for a major championship and you know it's um, not been used for a long time. And you have to go sort of searching for a bit of correlation does the 2012 US Open, I'll ask you first, Jason, has that sort of come into your mind at all at the Olympic Club, bearing in mind you've had sort of Webb Simpson uh, win there in the past? Yeah, I think it absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we were discussing just before we came on about how Webb um, was describing this this course and, and how he, he likes it because although um, he appreciated that, you know, it looks long and, and you, you may need driver, it was a, it was a thinker's course. Um, he, he says you can't. Uh, overpower it um, and if somebody like that uh, mentions uh, you know how favorably he looks at it then you, you, you obviously look back at, at the the courses that he prefers you look back at that 2012 and you have to make a correlation there's there's you know it has to come into your equation um, and it certainly makes you think about the type of player um, and, you know I went into it what, eight ten weeks ago when we first looked at it and and for me it was just smash it down smash it down the path uh, flip it on and and you know the short hitters are, or the medium hitters should I say are going to be going in with far too long a club against these big hitters but I've, I've changed my mind quite a lot over the last few days and and I think there is a case for for looking at um, quality ball strikers over over bombers um, yeah so um, yeah I think I think again we discussed um, I think the the bigger hitters who rely on that driver who rely on on that length and strength we'll, we'll see how they play we don't we don't really know do we unless we see it but I, I just wonder whether that's been overplayed and, and looking at the market today really when all the prices have been have, have come out there are a lot of players that, that don't fit that that have been backed and I think I think that's quite right to be honest with you I think it's a lot more open than we thought six weeks ago I think every year and every major we kind of get told it's a, it's a bombers event just because that's the way the golf's going right and then you know you get to the Sunday and there's someone on the shorter side in the top 10 uh, so I think it does happen. I think if you like a player and you like a skill set, um, if they necessarily can't drive at 320 down the middle, then then so be it. You just have to stick with your gut. And, and Ben, was there any other courses that sort of come to mind? I mean, I know there's sort of coastal tracks in Torrey Pines and Pebble Beach uh, in California that might have piqued your interest. Yeah, I think visually it looks a little bit like Riviera, um, less so Torrey Pines. Um, but I wouldn't get hung up on either of those. I, I think with the Olympic thing, I, the one thing I would say is that of all the majors of the last decade Olympic was the one most tilted towards hitting it straight 
if you look at who had a chance to win that, essentially you're looking at Simpson, McDowell, Furick, and Michael Thompson just about. I think Jason Duffner was fourth. It's just a ridiculously fairways heavy leaderboard. And it, it's one of those curious truths of golf that when you actually stretch certain holes out, when, when they think about tiger proofing and making things longer, it actually sometimes has the reverse effect. Um, and when you get to holes that are 620 yards, such as the, I think it's the 16th or the 17th Olympic club when no one can reach them or else it takes two mighty hits and you're probably going to be in a gnarly lie sort of 30 yards left of the green. They're not really for the bomber. They're actually for the guy who's good from hundred yards. And I think that was never been more true than an Olympic club. You know, it was those guys who were good when they get within hundred yards of the green. Now I don't think it'll be like that here. Um, I don't think it's a course where you're going to see Bryson. I mean, I think he'll try it, but I don't think you're going to see him gain 10 strokes off the tee and win the tournament. I'd, I'd be generally against him. Um, and, and I guess we'll come to my selections, but I, I've kind of gone with all-rounders more than anything else, um, which is a kind of tempting fallback in any major. But in, in, in short, I think it will be somewhere between what we saw in the 2012 US Open, where don't forget the rough was half an inch to an inch thicker, uh, longer rather, and, and what we've seen in the last two years of this, because equally at the other end of the scale the 2018 and 2019 pga championships were on long relentlessly long and and soaking wet golf courses like you know kepka beating dj doesn't always tell you anything because they're just brilliant players but really last year you, you didn't have a chance of winning that tournament unless you hit it 320 off the tee and if you go back to the year before you know tiger was the short hitter up there and and i think that tells you plenty as well so hopefully it'd be very different to that because certainly the weather's been drier in san francisco and i think the fairways will run out and there's a lot more dog legs so yeah more thought required but i still think if you're gaining strokes off the tee um regularly you know one of the top 20 30 drivers in the world will pro- probably win this and how much stock would you put into the, the 2015 match play as well? I know because obviously match play has its own intricacies and it's hard to really get a grip when you're just going 1v1. I know like people like John Senden and Jim Furyk play well there. Uh, Jim Furyk obviously got to the semi-finals, only lost to Rory by one hole. Um, and he'd obviously play well at Olympic. Do you think that shows anything at all in that as well? Personally, I, I wouldn't go massive on it. I think it, it's nice to see players. I mean, for, more for me, it's reading the, the transcripts. And if you have someone that says they love the course, I actually found that in reading the transcripts, there weren't that many people who seemed overly enamored with it. Even Rory, like at the start of the week, he saw, yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, I don't mind it. By the end of the week, obviously, he loves the place. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't get hung up on the results. I, I think the main thing that I took from that is, is sort of a bigger picture, I guess. Um, and, and I think it, those who hit the ball right to left will definitely be at an advantage. Now, you know, working out who hits what shot shape is a is kind of a fool's errand in, in some respects. And let's not kid ourselves. I mean, Brooks Kepka tells you that every shot he hits is a fade. It's not true. I wish he hadn't hit a draw on the last hole yesterday. <laughs> um, but he, he hits the ball both ways. And the best players in the world all can. But, um, you know, there's no question that of those top, sort of five or six players in the world the one who's most comfortable hitting the high draw off the tee is rory um and i don't think that's a coincidence that this is the course he's won on in california versus places like riviera where i think a left to right ball flight is probably a little bit more advantageous so that's something to consider albeit rory needs to up his uh, up the rest of his game if he wants to be winning he does yeah that, that sort of brings us on nicely i suppose jason to to the two favorites would you make brooks and justin co-favorites here this week I think it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, they have to be favourites. What price you put them in at is your is your own market, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, you know, as you say, Brooks should have, could have, would have. Who knows? With my auntie and all that um, last night, um, and obviously 
the length of the course, the way he's playing, attitude, everything makes him up there. JT, I thought, would win two majors this year. Um, if we go back in January, um, I still think he possibly can, but it's, it's obviously going to be a bit more difficult now. Um, so, yeah, you know, you look at it. Yeah, you look at they have to be favoured. You, you can't put Rory, Rory in front of them at the moment. Bryson, you and me always disagree on him anyway. He can't be jolly. So what you're left with, yeah, John Rahm, as you say, ball number one for three and a half seconds or whatever it was. Um, you have to. I mean, the, all the evidence suggests they are the two best players in the world at the moment. Uh, you have to be informed coming to the USPGA or so it seems in past years. So, yeah, it, it's, it's about what price you put them in at, but they have to be at the front of the market. Oh, I'll put this one to you, Ben, as you obviously put him up last week uh, at 33 to 1, Brits Kepka. Um, he didn't look like the best player in the world, did he, until last week, and it very quickly changed. But obviously, you saw signs from his, his last appearance, even when he missed the cut, where he was hitting the ball well. Um, has his you know price dramatically fallen just because it's a major? You know, this was another event. Would he be such a short price? No, um, absolutely not. Um, I think he'd probably be 20 to 1. Um, obviously, it depends on the course, but I, I think. All of us make compromises every week, right? Those of us who write previews or do podcasts or, or just place bets. Um, and I don't like drawing like arbitrary lines because I know that I will break any rules that I set at some stage. But there are some examples where, so by that, what I'm saying is that, um, you know, I've put up Phil Mickelson. Now, I, I don't remember what price he was last week, but I dare say it was a fair bit bigger than the 80 to one I'm, I'm happy to take this week. So, of course, a price should be cut after a good performance. It's how much value you place in the good performance and how much it takes off the price right and that has to be a fluid thing um with kepka i think the important thing to remember is he was playing at southwind last week which is a faders golf course not to get hung up on this left to right right to left thing but um he loves it there you know he's he's been, I think he's been first second fifth second again now and he just absolutely loves it there it was a comfort zone for him and the friday before he produced his best ball striking round since he won the pga championship so all those things together, you take a chance at 33 to 1. When he's 10 to 1, you have to adopt, I guess, wear a different hat and you have to ask yourself, right, what are the potential problems here? And for me, you know, being critical the day after, he, his iron play was brilliant. And I think a lot of professionals will tell you that once they start seeing the ball go, the, you know, the distance control on the irons is kind of the number one thing to tell you a player is at or close to his best. But the thing for me with Kepka is, when he needed his driver on Sunday and actually on Saturday as well, it, it just wasn't there for him. You know, he's, he's played the two par fives. He's missed one 30 yards to the right. He's missed the other one 30 yards to the left. He's gone in the water with a three wood on 18. I know he said he was, you have to take it down the left there, but you don't have to take it down the left that far. Um, and on 17, he missed the fair. I know he made birdie, but he missed the fairway 20 yards right on 17 as well. So his, the shots that you expect him to hit in that scenario were not there and it's fairly surprising to see that now i know thomas also missed the fairway at 17 and 18 um and it you know it happens down the stretch but i think throughout the whole weekend when he had to lean on his driver it just wasn't quite there for him and it tells me that he's not quite there because if he was there he'd have won last week and he can make some steps forward in the interim and he will tell you that a major there are fewer people to beat because half of them have beaten themselves already all that stuff but it's factored in for me i'm you know JT won the tournament, and he's not considerably shorter in the betting. Brooks Kepka finished second, and he's a third of the price. They were thirty-three to one and eleven to one last week. They're now ten to one co-favorites. JT won. Kepka yeah. didn't win, um, and that for me is—it's it, all about his record in majors. And 
for all I admire and respect it, it's not going to continue. He's not going to win. You know, if he's on a trajectory to win 25 majors, it's not going to happen. So let's eliminate some of that from our mindset first. And I just think any chance to back him has gone. Yeah, and that's the thing, Jason. Is he's won he's won four of the last ten majors. He could have won six, you know, very easily. You know, he had two second places at the U.S. Open and the Masters. Um, you know, and it's just, isn't it? I think that, like Ben said, there, he, you know, he rules out half the field in his head because he knows they can't beat him. His mentality is the best part of his game over, say, his skill set. And that's not to say he can't hit the ball really well. Obviously, he can. He drives the ball well, strikes his irons well, um, but. In terms of when you look at people's skill set, the first thing that comes to mind for me for uh, Kepka is just his mentality, and I think a lot of that is put into the ten to one price. Yeah, I think he's, he's been that way, hasn't he, since he first came over on the Challenge Tour? Um, it, it, there's, there's certain players. I mean, uh, you know, you've been watching it for a while. Ben's been watching it for a long time. There's certain players that just walk the walk, don't they? Um, Kepka's one, DJ's another. Um, it, 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 I'd say it's easy for it seems easy for us, uh, you know, sitting here in your bedroom watching watching it in a bag of crisps. It looks it looks so easy for that type of player, and the mentality is just superb. The only worry I have with them players is, and I'm not I'm not denying their desire. Um, I, I just wonder when they sometimes when they get there or or there's that extra effort that's needed, it doesn't seem to come, and and this is pure perception. So. You know, I don't have any particular evidence for that and what they've said or anything because they tend to cover it up with huge positivity. Typical Americans, you know, hugely big themselves up, which is great as they get out there. There doesn't seem that extra effort. I'm not saying it's, it's not a, a brain or anything. It's just it, it doesn't seem there. And we're looking at prices and we, we have to look at prices because that's what we do. And as Ben says, you have to build that in. And at, at, at 10 to 1 each of two, I think Thomas deserves to be just over Kepka, whether whether he's cut 23 points or whatever from last week. Um, for me, Thomas has that desire, that extra... I'm not saying... That their fourth gear is probably the same, but Thomas can find that extra will, that extra je ne sais quoi, to be honest with you, that, that is, is the internal desire to win over the likes of, of Kepka and DJ for me. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know if that comes from a sort of, you know, having his dad around you know, for a long time as a, as a PGA pro and helping him throughout his career and things like that. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I think, you know, I think we're both in agreement that they're two of the most likely winners, if not the two likely winners of the week. Um, and they're just hard to overlook. But as you say, 10 to 1, I think they kind of leave them lonely. You just want to put all your eggs in that basket. Uh, John Rahm, interestingly, before he, uh, he won a couple of weeks ago, he obviously shot a 64 in the final round to allude to that victory and then finished with a 66 uh, last week, Ben, do you think that kind of prepares him any differently to this week? I know, obviously, we've already had a little word on him, and you know, fourteen to one's probably short enough. I'd personally like to wait for another major, but is there anything in him this week? Do you think? A lot of people will look at you know two wins in California. Uh, he went to college in Arizona, obviously, and um, I think it will help him to have that one run out as world number one behind him. Um, I, I must admit, I didn't look closely into how people react in the immediate aftermath of becoming world number one but it is a you know it's a millstone it's, it's difficult for some people um to to live up to expectations and Southwind's one of those courses you know you get on the back foot early there's there's a lot of trouble a lot of thick rough and things just don't go well and so i think it is to his credit that he finished well and and as you say you draw those parallels with how he finished the uh what was it the work day uh, going into the the memorial and and obviously it paid off so i can i can see all that um 
there's there's another way to look at it, which is that his wider form is not very good. You know, for for where he is in the market, he's he's played well one week essentially, and if you're being really cruel, and as you know, I take a fairly positive view of people like Tony Finau, but when he did play well and win that tournament, you know, all the best players in the field were were off. Rory was making sixes, sevens, and eights at the par fives. Tiger was on the back foot early. Kepka likewise. DJ, likewise. You know, it basically had Ryan Palmer and, and Tony Finau to deal with. And, you know, that, that made it somewhat easier for him. I'm not taking anything away from what was one of the, the brilliant Sunday displays of the year. But I think there are more questions than than answers from, from Ram. And obviously, we go to a course where we've got enough answer, uh, questions anyway. So there, there were certainly enough unknowns for me. And I guess I drew the line at him uh, about 14 to 1. I, I think he's plenty short, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there. He'll certainly be contending for majors, but I'd say more likely a Masters winner at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've, so we've kind of not ruled out those of any of those winning, but I think they're all short enough for us to make our decisions on them. Uh, ben, me and you agree on our headline selection. Jason, I don't know uh, yet. We haven't had your picks, but I know it's a player that you like, and that's Xander Schauffele. Ben, just give your reasons for that this week. Yeah, I, there's nothing. I, I mean, as I'm sure you guys know, it's kind of like a gold cup at Cheltenham, right? Like it's all there in the form book. Everybody knows all about these players, and there's probably not a lot I can. I'm, I'm underselling myself possibly here, but there's probably not a great deal I can tell you that, that you don't already know. But um, you know, he is from California, which will help um, potentially anyway. Despite the fact there are no fans there, he does like to hit the ball right to left, which I like. He's a brilliant driver of the golf ball. Um, he, he plays the par fours really, really well. I think he, you know. He's been really unlucky not to win since since he beat Finau in that playoff in China a, a year and a half or almost two years ago now. So um, there are lots of, of little positives, I guess. But the main kicker for me really was the way he played last week. I mean, to play 70 of the 72 holes at Southwind in par or better is seriously good. Um, you know, I, I, I would say that's probably up there historically as the, you know, in terms of total holes par or better I, I doubt anyone's ever done better than that at Southwind now you know par is an arbitrary thing it, ultimately it's how many shots you take and he took too many shots to win the tournament but he had one silly hole um the whatever it is that is it the 13th where you have to hit your tee shot left and, and then play across the water and he pushed his tee shot into the water dropped his ball and decided to go for the green with his third when he had 270 left <laughs> and hit it in the water again it's just a bad decision but it, it's the only mistake he made even the other the, he made a bogey on the 17th on saturday and he just you know slightly if he chipped but he made one mistake his game is really good um the one sort of issue is that his irons weren't great last week but he's a bit in and out like that and they were brilliant the way you hit the ball at the memorial tournament if he hits the ball like that um he's not gonna be too long before he's winning again and you know he could have won twice this year he, he probably should have won twice this year so um given that i don't think the gap between winning and losing is as significant as as some do uh, i have him down as a massive massive player here and, and i'm not worried if you like that uh, he's not won because i know obviously that's one of the the major trends that points towards major winners yeah absolutely and that and that was one of the things i'm glad you mentioned the irons there because he played so well last week whilst ranking 74 out of 78 in the field for strokes gained approach you know he lost nearly six strokes with his irons now if he's going to play that well whilst doing that, I mean, he's going to return to the, the average eventually. Um, and, you know, he's ranked in the side, uh, the top 30, I think, is it, you know, in uh, he's 28th in strokes game approach in the season. He's also first on tour in ball striking, which is obviously essential here. Um, you know, I just, 
I just think, you know, I agree with a lot of what you said there. But at the end of the day, he's had a top three in all the other majors, um, three top six finishes in the US Opens, including at Pebble, which is obviously coastal California. I think sometimes we've seen at Torrey Pines where everyone expects him to go well because he's a local San Diego boy, that sometimes maybe having the fans there, I don't know how many people go out to watch him. I'm guessing it's quite a few. Maybe that brings an added pressure and that sometimes gets you. So maybe being at home and having the comforts of home without being immediately chats in your face may help as well. That's just some sort of language I've gone there. Um, and I also just think he'll relish it being the first major of the year and the fact that, um, you know, he's just ready to go. He's been peaking for this. Um, you know, he hasn't won, but his form has just been incredible. He's incredibly consistent for someone that continually gets overlooked. Um, I think his price is, you know, he's 20 to 1 now as we're talking. And, and I think that, you know, I can't sit there and say that's a massive price on him, but I just think that he is one of the next ones up on the major. You know, you've got him and Rahm, uh, you know, Bryson. I just I just think he's, you know, everything you want in a major winner, and, and this should suit. Jason, have you got any thoughts on him at all? Well, you know you know that I'm a fan of Xander. Um, I think he'll win the Masters or go very close to the Masters um, after a terrific year last year. Um, I've got no problem with Xander winning this tournament whatsoever. Um Personally, I couldn't take the 20 to 1 there is. I don't know what it was earlier. Obviously, there's a sea of blue. So we know influential people have put him up. Um, yeah, what thanks, was the ben. biggest he was? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it was, you know, I saw 22 to 1 earlier. Um, I don't think it's been massively much bigger than that at all. Um, but, you know, that's kind of, I think that's the right price for him now. I think there's been years of him being overlooked. Um, and I think that 22 and, and 25 to 1 things like that is actually the price he should be. It's definitely how um, the place, the, the changes in place markets over the last five years have affected. Um, you know, the, he's too close to Justin Thomas in the in the betting if you're pricing up a win only book. There's no question about that. But we're not. We're pricing up an each way book where you get paid to 10th or 11th. And, you know, that has to massively come into it. As you, as you said, he's, he's basically 50% in the money um, in majors. And, um, you know, that obviously will. will more than be catered for in the price. Sorry, Jason, I think I think you were going to go there, but I, ju I just want to stress that difference in how the markets have changed. If they were all a quarter first five, he'd have been a 28 to one shot. I think that's, that's, that's a very, very fair point. As I say, I, I have no no problem at all with, with seeing Xander's name winning a major other than the fact that I'm going to be on in the Masters. Um, so maybe I should be on now before uh, he wins this and I only get 16s. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he's a wonderful player. He always we, We've been discussing this for ages. Um, how he appears in all the relevant stats that you want to see, uh, the tee to green, the par four performance. So every time you get a, a, a course with a heavy par four influence, he has to be there. I've actually been quite disappointed with him this year. Um, definitely should have won at least one. Um, but as you say, he, he's going in the right direction. His figures are, are great. You, you can pick the odd one out, but you can pick the odd one out of anybody, can't you? Um, JT failed enough times recently. Um, so I have no problem in winning at all. I just... Now, I just couldn't back him at 20 to 1, but I accept what you say. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and the, the thing to really maybe focus on is yes, okay, he hasn't got over the line when he maybe should have done, and that's not normally what we attribute to him, but it's been an interactive season, and for him to keep his form up either side of it, I think is a really important indicator. And the next person I'm going to talk about, and Ben, I was actually quite surprised that you didn't put him up as uh, I know you're a fan, is Dustin Johnson. I know everybody's a fan of Dustin Johnson in terms of trying to win money. Um, Absolutely loves California. Obviously won at Pebble Beach a couple of times now. Should have been three times if it wasn't for, you know, Ted Potter Jr. Um, loves this putting surface. You know, 11 of his wins have come on similar putting surfaces. 
Um, if it's going to get difficult from the rough, he's obviously played very, very well at US Opens. Uh, Oakmont was a par 70 with, you know, similar length. And, you know, he's already had that win whilst seemingly in a slump at the Travellers, uh, which way you obviously put him up, Ben. Um, and he also finished tied 12th last week and, you know, generally scored, you know, started off with a 69, went 68, 68, 67. So it to me just looks like he, he's playing well enough to, to go well in the major. I know, obviously, the shot shape uh, will bother you, but he's overcome that sort of, you know, assumption at, at the Masters and played played with a fade there. So, um, you know, he's had a very good record in the PGA Championships. Uh, you know, it's his fifth top 10 last year when he finished second. Uh, and, you know, he probably could have won one if it wasn't for a two-stroke penalty back in 2010 as well. Yeah, there's there's not a lot I could say against DJ, really. You, you're right to say that the shot shape was one of the things that put me off, but it's there's definitely a risk of over-analysis there. Um, the reason I put him up at the Travellers was that he, with his strokes game ball striking, so ignore around the green, and to a broader point, I wish the PGA Tour would strip out strokes game ball striking because... You have a great week around the greens and people say, oh, he flushed it last week and, and it's not necessarily true. That is a separate conversation, uh, not a very exciting one, I imagine. But um, from t- with his tee shots and his approach shots at the Heritage, he gained almost 10 shots. And if you look historically, uh, when DJ wins, it's basically he hits about 10 shots, tee and approach shots, and then the rest of his game's fine and he wins. Um and he did that the week before at the Heritage. And I thought, well, if he does it again, he only needs the putter to warm up and you know, as as this game goes, I, I was pretty lucky because he actually drove it horribly at the Travellers. Um, uh, but but his approach shots were amazing, and he putted as well as he has for a while. But I guess to, that's just explaining why he wasn't he didn't hit the ball quite well enough for me last week. Um, but we are talking, you know, half a shot around um, versus versus the heritage. So yeah, I, I can see it. Um, I, I don't think there are many who are more comfortable on on these greens. I just the, the other thing really is the you know he. His sort of previous rounds were what, 80, 80, 78, and whew, you know that's bad. <laughs> and that you know he's shot 80 in two of his last five rounds since he won, and and I'd just be a little bit wary of one of those resurfacing. But other than that, no, it's Dustin Johnson. He's 20 to one. I I don't think anyone can ever tell you that's a bad bet. Yeah, and I just think you know just how well he performs on past 70 courses. You know, he gains the most straights you know on tour in those uh, courses. Uh, Jason, you have any thoughts on him at all at 22s and 20s to ones? Yeah, I think he's got a fantastic chance. Um, again, it, it's one of a group that you can uh, around that price, but he, he, he for me, he sticks out. Um, loves the PGA, obviously five top tens, top thirteen uh, in ten starts. Walks, walks the walk, um, and, and it's it's. I think as Ben says, you know, if he if he looks like he's going to win, we can tell, can't we? Within the first, with literally within the first day if Dustin looks like he's going to win. And when he does it, um, he really does, doesn't he? He's, he's, he could make mincemeat of this. Um, I appreciate what you're saying about, about the shot shape. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he approaches this, um, whether he does try and, and overpower it um, at the start. But I think he'll play, I think he'll play cute. Um, it, it, what you say, as you say, Dustin Johnson, look at his major record. Yes, he should have won more, but you're not going to be embarrassed by it, are you? Um, if that is a return to form. And obviously, everybody was worried that St. Jude had no idea what DJ was going to turn up after that, um, whatever it was at the 3M and, and Memorial, back injury, non such thing, really. Um, looking at that 12, it fits a profile of somebody playing well the week before. He loves the tournament, loves the area, is going to love the distance. 
Yeah, why not? Can't, can't, I, I, if he's, if it, as long as he's not on one, as one of his, you know, moods, um, it's very, very hard to see him out of the each way places top ten. I think that was the thing. If he hadn't put in such a performance at, at the St Jude where he finished tied 12th, I know obviously that's not in the grand scheme of things a, a massive result for someone of his calibre, but just to show signs that his game's not in complete disregard apart from one week, that was just encouraging enough for me to go for him. And, and maybe, you know, at 22 and 20 to 1 about Dustin Johnson, it's just a safe bet because you know he can sort of come good at most majors and that might be the way I'm going. But I just thought that just basically based on the putting services, um, you know, if he gets an early tea time and the fog rolls in, which is something I've really quite focused on, you know, being I've been to San Francisco, you know, accumulatively for 12 weeks in my lifetime. And, you know, it does get cold in those mornings. Um, but also the, the green should be really receptive as well as the Jews coming in and things like that. So um, you're going to need to hit the ball long, especially in the morning rounds, I think. And, and he obviously, you know, fits that bill. And Ben, the next person up in the betting is your next selection. Patrick Canley, yeah, I'm I'm really quite sweet on him. Um, I, th- I think a lot of people will say well, he's not he's not played great since since golf return, but I think that's a mark of how how much we expect from him now because he's you know his, his worst finish was last week when he finished 35th, and obviously on day one of the the WGC last week you'd have, you'd have thought Canley would be the first name off your list for this week because he he scored abysmally, but when you look closer he he just had I think it was his worst ever putting around on the PGA Tour. If it wasn't, it was it was one or two off that. So I'm always prepared to to overlook that sort of thing. And what I really like, and it's where having a four round no cut event can can help, is that he stuck at it. And you know I think Rory's probably one we'd accuse perhaps of losing interest sometimes when when he knows he can't win or at least he thinks he can't win. Um, but I, I really like how Cantlay sort of he's a very diligent player and he he kept at it and he played really really well across the weekend. And he had I you know what it's like something works for you and you, you sort of roll with it but recently quite a lot of my selections have, have, have been based on or at least influenced by some positive movement throughout their last start and and that's what you see with Cantley. he basically got better at everything through each day um and i, I although i've got a, a variety among my selections jason day is one we'll come to but he's he's played nearly every week i, I do quite like Cantley's preparation you know he's, he's played four times he he, he didn't rush back. I think he came back at the Heritage or the Travelers, one of those two, and um, he just looks to have been working backwards from this. And I think this is a point which um, which stands for both him and Shoffle. I, I guess it's natural for all of us to look for the next potential major winner. Um, and in this this one in particular, it does tend to unearth a, a first-time major champion for whatever reason. Um, but I think for me, and, and it's the reason why I'd go for him and Cantlay rather than, say, Morikawa and Hovland, almost always they need to have tasted it before it would be extraordinary and i know he's done extraordinary things already but it would be extraordinary for colin morikawa to rock up having never really had a look at a you know he's probably played two or three majors i've not checked to be honest but he certainly never had a chance to win one um and the same for hovland and i think when you look at kepka even you know pinehurst was a big moment for him i think he, he realized that he could he could certainly be a massive factor in major championships you look at i think the 2017 pga where jt won tied for second patrick reed and francesca malnari they both won a major the next season so looking for these guys who i know it's a long time ago now but who in 2019 looked like they were ready to win a major i think it's a really good starting point and patrick cantley i'm sure many will remember for, a, for about 20 minutes of that crazy hour at Augusta when Tiger Woods finally won his 15th major, Cantlay was the one. Um, and then he went and finished third at Beth Page as well. So uh, I think he's he's ready. You know, um, I think he's only played 11 majors, but already uh, he is ready to go and win one. So I was more than happy to take 28 to one. Uh, I think the way he played in, in round one last week has held his price up a little bit. Um, and yeah, I'll be disappointed if he's not at least going very close to 
hitting the five, six, seven, or eight places, whatever you get. Yeah, with me and Jason have gone back and forth on Cantley since he's returned. I sort of said that I'd rather wait uh, for the Memorial when he was a slightly bigger price and a stronger field because I think he's just as likely to win in a stronger field as he is a weaker one. There's a stronger test and things like that. Um, and, I, and I read a thing that basically, the, I think it was Jeff Sherman of you know the Vegas odds there, said that Patrick Cantley is consistently the most undervalued golfer in the betting market, whereas I sort of look at it as a different way. Um, but Jason, I know you're very keen on Patrick Cantley as well. I don't know for this week, but generally in every week you tend to put his name up. Yeah, I did for the travellers and the and the uh, work day, and he he played well enough without without quite getting to the line, didn't he? Um, we, we've been saying for ages his, his figures um, on on tee to green on on par four again. You know, we're going over the, we're rehashing the same same set of stats. Um, for me, he's absolutely top class. I don't think he's he's reached. I think Ben's probably alluded to that. I don't think he's reached his potential yet. Um, where some of the others we've spoken about probably are at their peak, despite the fact that, you know, they're still, they're still number one, two, three in the world or whatever. Um, there's plenty more from Cantley. Um, will it be this week? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's bound to suit him, isn't it? Um, as you say, he loves a tough course. Um, he's got, he's got for, enough form in the majors. Yeah, why not? It's, do you know what? It, it, I think Ben made a fair point about the each way thing. Uh, we're often looking at him. Uh, all these players on each way, first five, first six, seven, if you're lucky enough to be able to get on. Um, whereas, yeah, we do have to make that adjustment. Um, at 28, yeah, 28 first nine, he's top class, isn't he? Um, it's a matter of when and not if. And this probably is the right major for him. So, yeah, once again, uh, around about that price, just under the 30 mark. Why not? Yeah, I think I think I'm someone that's... Uh, a little bit against Patrick Cantley. I don't know if it's just because I think that everyone's so heavily on him and I just like to be controversial at times. I think that might be it. Um, I just think that, you know, the Masters was a good, you know, window for him and, and that looked like, if you know, if he did win there, obviously I'd be saying a completely different thing about him. Um, and maybe, like Ben said, you know, just seeing it from a year earlier gives him the, the benefit of doubt to go go ahead this year. Um I thought there was similar players at you know the same price. I was very very sweet on Webb Simpson before. Um, we've pulled Tesori potentially out. I think he almost definitely is out this week. Uh, I think that hurts Webb uh, a lot this week. I think that you know he helps him with his putting. Um, I spoke to Paul for the podcast, and Paul basically said he's. Uh, well, I, I called him. Are you his on course coach? And he said that's exactly what I am. He said I can. You know, I don't. I don't go to Webb and tell him to fix something, but Webb tells me if he needs help, and then I just tell him what he needs doing. He knows his swing inside and out, and I think that it showed when. I don't know if it's coincidence, but for the first two rounds, he looked like he was going to, you know, definitely have a chance to win uh, in Memphis, and then as soon as Paul Desori wasn't there, that same Sunday, he looked a bit lost. I don't know if anyone else had a similar assessment to that. He did miss, like he missed a couple of really short parts that he, he, you know, he hasn't been missing because I think the big thing with Webb, obviously over the last five years, has been that he's become a, well, he's just a brilliant player. But he did, the putter has become a strength when it was a weakness, and any time a player like him turns a, a weakness into a strength, they obviously become uh, very, very dangerous. I, I think it is a big negative against him. Um, the other thing for me, and I accept that, um, you know, he's had an up and down career, I suppose, in some respects, but. He won the U.S. Open very early. He's actually a rare example of someone who did win a U.S. Open or or any major without really having a look at another. Um, since then, he's done next to nothing. I think it was a backdoor fifth, wasn't it, at Augusta last year? I, I'm not criticising him for that. He was he was top 30 or four majors. It's I think in fact I think he's been top 30 the last eight majors he's played in, which is phenomenally consistent. But 
how many of them has he ever looked like he might win? Um, I would say he's not looked like winning a major since 2012. So I, I think that's against him. I, I think he has to be at his absolute best to beat these guys. And he's one of those players who ekes out everything from his game. But I think, as you alluded to there, Paul Tesori is part of that. And if you take away anything from Simpson, he just cannot... I don't know what the analogy is, but you know, there are footballers who we think we're, they're not as talented as other people, but they just get by on on being 100% every day when others aren't. And I think Simpson's one of those. And if he's not 100%, he, he's not going to be winning major championships. And there's enough doubt as to whether he'll be 100% this week. I think that he's one of those that when, when we talk about uh, bombers coming into the fray, and, and he's one that obviously doesn't do that, he's so good with a hybrid in his hand, with a long iron in his hand, that that's how he gets over that. Um, and, and I certainly expected him to be able to overcome that uh, with Paul Tesori in the bag. I'd, you know, I may be putting too much stock in it. You know, he, you know, Paul Tesori doesn't hit the shots for him. He doesn't hit the putts for him. I just think he's such an influence. I think that if there is a, a person that relies on their caddy uh, more than anyone, I think that's him. I think that they really are a partnership as opposed to someone who just carries his bag. Um, and, and that was really, for me, was... Um, the, the major tipping point. I was I was really sweetening him beforehand, um, and I think that he would have gone closer over the weekend. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you agree, and and that maybe would have seen his price uh, topple down to twenty or twenty-two, whatever you know the other guys are at. I think there's probably still some value at thirty to one, just because of how consistent and how well he's playing, um, and the course should be fine for him, especially if the Olympics anything to go by. But I, I would just be worried about Portisori not being there. Yes, yeah, I think that's a fair point. You've got enough evidence there. I know it's only been a short while, but the evidence is there that he helps him an awful lot. I mean, I, I, I think that 2012 effort, if that 2012 effort wasn't there, we'd have finished fourth or fifth. Um, and there is that comparison that, that people are making, whether it's correct or not. I just wonder whether he would be a short. That he does look remarkably short for this for this event to me at 31. Um, I can't have him. Uh, we, you know, as I say, I think there's a similar player that that will definitely beat him, um, beat him last week, and uh, I don't see why he's any bigger than him now. So I can leave Webb Simpson alone. If you're talking about, you know, the DJs at 22, whatever, 25, Cantley at 28, I can leave Webb alone at 30, and that's only in one place anyway. So 28 is the general. Yeah, I can leave him. It's not a problem. I think it's just because you can get such, you know, close to that sort of price most weeks anyway. And, and if he has a, a, a mediocre week this week, then he's going to go out to fancy prices. Yeah, but but yeah I mean, I think, sorry, Tom, I, I think you're better off absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't think he's value this week. Whatever value means, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all personal. Um, and I think maybe, yeah, let him have, let him have a bad week, and you can get ten points bigger um, in more suitable tournaments. We can't go through this uh, preview without mentioning Tiger Woods. Um, He's never been beaten on this golf course. He's got a perfect record. He beat everybody in the 2005 WGC here and went 5-0 and at the President's Cup. Ben, what do you expect from Tiger Woods? I think it's almost impossible to tell, bearing in mind he's only been out once since the uh, since the restart and we, and we don't really get to see much of him there. I nearly put him up, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, this is a classic trying to get something after the opportunity's gone. But if you if you look back, I mean, I, I put him up when he won at Eastlake um, was, and you know, as you would be in in my job, I was really pleased to be on him because you get Tiger Woods just gets numbers, you know, um, and and being on Tiger when he won again was 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 something I was really pleased with. But I was massively regretted not putting him up off the Masters last year, as I'm sure anybody would. Um, but now you look at it, he's he's won three of his last what 30 events. 
So he's winning at a very consistent level. He's not winning at the rate he used to win at. I mean, for a time, he won one in three. But um, he has won his tournaments over the last couple of years at a, at a strike rate superior to several ahead of him in the betting. Shoffley and Cantlay very much included. Um, you know, he's, he's winning tournaments about as often as Rory is. So I sort of, I was really tempted, despite the fact you get 10 or 11 places, just to go and put in a win-only saver. And I think I mentioned in the preview, you know, if you if you're getting 35 on Betfair, he might he might be the sort of player who drifts out to 38 on Betfair come the off. And covering your stakes for the week on Tiger Woods is probably not the worst idea in the world. Um, as you say, he, you know, he, he knows the course really well. Um, you know, obviously in 2005, he's just, he, he won most things, but his presence, cup performance was brilliant. He, he played the course when he was a kid, all those things. I put him up at 28 to one for the Memorial. And in retrospect, that's a, that was a really hard event to come back in. You know, it was kind of obscenely difficult and, and a little bit silly. Um, but if you look at the numbers, I think he was fifth in strokes gain approach. So the iron play was fine. Um, if there's one doubt, and he did play 18 holes on Sunday, apparently without looking at all uncomfortable, obviously stiffness and, and back and neck issues follow him around. And at any one time they can strike and it's game over. Um, and that was what happened at the memorial. He toughed it out and made the cut and, and finished where he finished. But he, from Thursday afternoon onwards, he was not going to be winning the tournament. Um, sorry, Friday afternoon onwards, he was not going to be winning the tournament. So that's a concern. And as you've already mentioned, Tom, San Francisco, it's not going to be hot. Um, there'll be some cool mornings. And I just worry that, you know, when you won at East Lake, it was about 40 degrees Celsius. When you won at Augusta, it was about 40 degrees Celsius. It was very, very humid when he won in Japan. You start getting cold weather, the bones start to creak. And uh, and if that's the case, he, he might struggle. I think I think the thing, the key for me, I don't, you know, I don't think we've seen any tea times yet. I'm not sure they're out. Um, if he can get an afternoon tea time on, on Thursday, which I'm assuming he will do because of coverage, um, and, uh, you know, because it will be warmer in the afternoon, if he can go out and shoot a low score, um, and put himself in contention. He can certainly battle through one round uh, in the, in the cooler weather. And it's interesting you mentioned Betfair there. And Jason, I'll come to you on this one. Forty-two to one uh, on the exchange currently. Um, it's almost one of those things that it's hard to to look away from. I think. Yeah, I think exchange exchange plays. You have to look at you know those that are going to react very very um, quickly. And Tiger's one of those names that will definitely react to it if he does anything at all in the opening round. Um, just from a personal point of view, um, I'm not going to back him, lay him or do anything with him. Um, and that this is just where emotion comes in, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Um, rather than logic. If he wins, I'll be happy as anybody. Um, I, I don't want to be on at 33, though I respect everything you say. Um, and I'm just happy to see the goat out there. Um, I've not got him in, in the equation. It's it's extremely unprofessional. Um, I don't have him there. I don't need to have him in, in the bets. Um, and, and I'll be very, very happy to watch him. The exchange, yeah, I mean, 42. You can If you're a big player, um, you'd have to have, as you rightly say, Tom, you have to have a look at the tee times. Uh, but if you're a big player and can get on there, you're probably going to be able to nick a few a few quid early. Um, that's it. I've, I've just the utmost respect for the man. Um, and I don't need to have any money on him um, to enjoy if he wins. Look, I, th- I think that, you know, just before he won at the Masters, I kind of, everyone sort of said he can't get to that, you know, Jack's record of major wins. Uh, then he wins the Masters. And I, I was kind of, I was kind of like, right, he's going to do it. Like, I don't see why he can't. Like, I think he's, I know his time's limited. You don't know when he could completely break down. But 
if he wins this week, that's, that's right back on, in the hunt, isn't it, Ben? And I think that that's going to be a massive motivation. If he can go out and win one early on this season, that gives, that frees him up for another couple of years to have another go at it. It will. I, I do think it's something probably we care about and, and certainly journalists care about more than he does. I think the big change in Tiger over the last few years has been an acceptance of uh, his mortality, for want of a better word. And, and you know, <laughs> that um, family matters more than golf, actually. And he, he really didn't understand that, as as we know so famously um, earlier in his career. So I, I don't think he's that fussed, I'll be honest. Um, but clearly if he got even closer because it is still a long way away you know it's it's a lot of made just to be winning he's won one in the last 11 years um so you know i i don't think he's got much more than a hope in hell's chance and and i don't like to say that about tiger woods because he can do anything but um yeah you, we'll see how he goes this week but I, he's one of those i, I don't think anyone's going to really be that interested in him um and you know he has only played four rounds um since march but i I just keep thinking back to the match and i know how silly that sounds because it was the match and some nfl players played but he was so good like it it was so much fun to watch him hitting all those shots and uh, he'll win another i'm fairly certain he'll win more tournaments so i think all of us the challenge is to to work out when it'll be and i tend to think it'll be somewhere you know he win at east lake again obviously he's at the moment, he's going to struggle to qualify this year. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he won at Eastlake again. You know, if he if he just goes back to Bay Hill, I'm convinced he'd win there again. But he's, he's decided it doesn't fit his schedule very well. But those ones where you can club down a little bit and a lot of people play themselves out of it by hitting it in water a couple of times and, you know, a, a, a precision and a patience golf course, I, I think he'll definitely win more tournaments. Trying to earmark a major's pretty difficult but actually probably the open championship if uh, if things work out for him you know maybe in kent next summer that'd be a great way to to welcome back the open with uh, with a tiger win i'd certainly be happy with that as it's just down the road from me we, we alluded to colin morikawa earlier um he has only played one major he finished 35th in the us open um last year now he was born in los angeles uh went to university of california in berkeley uh, which is just over the you know it's over the bridge uh, you know, that's not necessarily an indicator in itself, but he's played hard in park as an amateur. He's finished fifth in 2018 and third in 2019. He's actually seen the course since, you know, since the renovations. Um, I don't know how much stock you can put in that. And, and Jason, you know, me and you have spoken about him over the past and I was very much against him in putting. Um, but, you know, he's 17th strokes going off the tee, 27th greens relations, second on stroke chain approach. It's... You know what? What do you do? What, you know, it's hard to find a fault on him. And if he's been playing there as an amateur and, and played well, um, and if you think he can win a major early on, as, as many do believe he do, then you know maybe it's time to get on him. Yeah, I, I think he's got a massive chance this week. I mean, I'm not a Morikawa fan. We keep we keep going on about his putting on most weeks. I don't think it's going to be that relevant this week. Um, I think his skill set's perfect for this week. Absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. He's got to have some experience of of the course. Knows the area well. I, I think last week was um, pretty much a perfect setup for him. Um, it, memorial, yeah, whatever. It's a it's a hangover from the workday. We know we know. I mean, how um, Justin Thomas must have felt after that fifty odd foot putt, and then to see Morikawa who can't putt a thing take him take him to further holes was uh, must about as bad gone. about as bad as I feel. I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what. It, 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 I said to Tom after that, it was just like I felt when Brandon Stone held that on 18. and then. Oh, yeah, that's fair, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah. You know, Brandon Stone sitting there, I don't think he felt as bad as I did in my living room when uh, when Sammy held that one. But um, anyway, it was, it was that sort of thing. Um, so I think I've got that as a hangover. Um, 
and I think he'll learn an awful lot from it. And and I actually think he he was the of all the big hitters, he was the one I, I thought was overpriced. Funnily enough, for the first time probably in this year, I thought thirty five to one was a, a stone bonk each way each way bet. Um, yeah, that's that's. That's it, really. I, exp- I expect them to be shorter, and I think what you know, you've got to respect what Ben's saying, and think this, you know, maybe it's just too early. And I think that's Ben, maybe why the only reason you probably ruled him out is that you know you wanted to see him have a chance to go first. But you know he's striking the ball incredibly well. You know we talk about Tiger Woods; he's getting compared to him in terms of his irons. Uh, he was first in ball striking last week, um, even when you know when finishing twentieth or wherever it was in the leaderboard. Um, you know. I don't, I don't know if I'm, you know, still sold on him yet, just because I, I like others at a similar price and more proven players. Um, but if you're going down the twenty-something routes that win this major, if that's still the case, then uh, you know he's he's the best of them, or, or one of the best at the moment. He certainly is. Uh, you know, as you say, he's only played one major. This is his debut then as a as a professional in majors. Uh, there are four players in history who've won a major on their first appearance. Now, obviously, it isn't his first appearance, but I don't imagine there are any if if at all you know maybe one or two but i don't off the top of my head i can't think of any who had sort of one amateur start and then one a major on their first pro start so it's a huge task but you know the these players are forcing us to forget about history aren't they and and you know he's won two of his first 29 events on the pga tour it's it's pretty clear that um if you know if you followed him blind you, you're well in front already so i i can see it i think on on pure ability um he probably you could see a case for him being shorter. I'd much rather back him than Webb Simpson. Um, but yeah, I, I think if he, if he plays well and sort of has a, has a feel for it at the weekend and, and sees what it's like to be there or thereabouts in a major, um, it'll serve him really well for wherever he goes next. But to, to see him winning it, I think it'd be extraordinary if he, if he managed to do that. Yeah, I think we need to, you know, sort of go through these now a little bit quicker here. Daniel Berger's in incredible form. Um, I, you know, Ben, you haven't put him up. Jason, I don't know if are you picking him this week at all. Yeah, he's my better week. Yeah, better week. You mean? I just think it's he's, hard he's, to argue, isn't it, the way he's playing? It's, it's just, I think it's stunning. I think what he's done, come back after the injuries. Uh, Memorial doesn't matter. He doesn't play well there anyway. Uh, miscut, sixty-seven miscut, so that doesn't make any difference. Um, obviously, his majors. He's a far. I mean, he's just a far more consistent and better player. Um, than he was in 2018 when he got six in the US Open, 12th in the PGA. Um, he, he's playing awesome golf. He's not scared of it now. I mean, I remember we talk about Webb. So Webb, I go back to the I'm really sorry to say the same three again. But I remember a time when we were thinking they were all, and it's a horrible word to use, but they all thought about it when they hit the front. Um, I don't think he doesn't, he doesn't do that anymore. He's very, very comfortable where he is. He's in the top echelons um, of the world now. Um, finished last week superbly. Um, okay, we know that he probably should have been third rather than second. Uh, but look at his rounds. I mean, it's it just littered with 60s. Um, he plays California okay. Um, played well at Pebble Beach, so we know he can play tough courses. He's got the US Open top six. Um, where's my stats for you? Which I'm sure you know anyway. Top 25 approaching. Okay, I mean, we know he's slightly short off the tee, but I think we've agreed that round here that's possibly not going to not going to make that, that, that much difference. He's 14th in putting, 13th tee to green. Five strokes gained total. I think he's, he's eighth in total driving, which will really help this week. I think he's absolutely smack bang ready to do something. Be amazing, wouldn't it, if um, he went and won this? He goes about 10th in the world or whatever. He's the reigning PGA champion and he, he doesn't get to play in the Masters. I'm mm. not even sure he's in the US Open. Um, 
Uh, although I'm, I'm sure he would be, but yeah, it'd be, be rather ridiculous to not have him in the Masters field in November. I wonder whether a special invite might be heading his way at some stage, almost regardless of how he plays this week, actually. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, you've just got to look at his form, um, you know, since the Phoenix Open, ninth, fifth, fourth, first, third, miscut, second. So he he is absolutely flying. The only one concern I had was last week um, he finished 42nd in the field in ball strike and 68th, um, you know, almost near the bottom of the field in total driving, um, which could be a sign of something to worry about, possibly, considering how much he loves that course. My my only negative for what it's worth, and, and it's not a major one, I, I, I think he's a better East Coast player. Um, I, I think we probably all agree on that. Now, it doesn't mean... I think Webb Simpson's a better East Coast player, and he won just across the lake. So it's not a massive thing. But if you, I think he's played 16 events in California. Sorry, 15 on the PGA Tour. He's finished 5th and 10th, um, and, and he's got loads of missed cuts and, and not a great deal. But, you know, that's... That's the negative, but clearly Daniel Berger 2020 is not Daniel Berger 2017, 2018. So he, he certainly left that form behind. Absolutely. Let's go on to, to Jason Day, who you have picked this week. Um, and me and Jason spoke about him um, you know, when he was going to, to Muirfield. And, and obviously that was his home course, and he finished 7th and 4th. And, and my thing was, has he just finished 7th and 4th there because he knows the course at the back of his hand? Um, you know, it's Jason Day. You can do his on any given week. Um, and then he goes and finishes tied sixth last week as well. So there's certainly something there. He's obviously split with his long-term um, coach there. And, and maybe we're just seeing the signs of that working over the last three events. Yeah, he split with Cole Swatton just before the, the first of them. So, um it's damning on Cole Swatton, isn't it, that he's gone seven, four, <laughs> six uh, since. But I, I know what you mean about Memorial, and you know it, it's a comfortable place for him in many respects. But actually, he's never played there, played play particularly well there. I think the key with with Day and the the reason I put him up, and he's a good example of those where you you make your own rules because he he was a hundred to one for Colonial not so long ago. So um, I'm under no illusions that the market has cottoned onto him. But I would say as well that when he won this, and five years is a long time, but he was a 16 to one second favourite when he won it five years ago, and I think he was probably even shorter when he was second the year after to Jimmy Walker. He's got a great record in this tournament wherever it's gone. Um, and the key for me is the consistency with his tee to green game. Last three starts, he's gained 6.2, 6.2, and 6.9 strokes tee to green. So not just consistent, it's really, really good. He's ranked 11th, 12th, and 7th. Well, if you go back, when he was world number one, he wasn't necessarily producing figures like that. He was just the best putter in the world, well, yeah, the best short game in the world. Um, if he can just make sure that everything adds up at the same time, he'll be contending. I mean, he's obviously he's contended to an extent the last three starts, but I don't think he ever really looked like winning any of them. Um, they've kind of been a little bit backdoor, but I think if you can put them together and get off to a good start, everything is falling into place. And kind of the same as you were saying with, with DJ earlier, Tom, you know, these greens, um, bent grass with a bit of Poana in them are, are really good for him. Um, you know, he's got the Torrey Pines form. He's got the Pebble Beach form. All right, he doesn't like Riviera much, but he's, he's got an excellent chance here. Um, it's just that little nagging doubt in your mind whether you know, you miss the opportunity with him, miss the boat a little bit. Um, and he's always vulnerable to, to some about of something or other. But essentially on paper, I don't think you get many 40 to one chances who've won a major and arrived with three top tens and are playing in probably their best state. So yeah, ticked a lot of boxes. 
Yeah, and I think you know for years we were you sort of touted as a as a Masters champion, wasn't he? You know, because he had that tied second on his debut, a third later on, and and it, that was kind of like you can't miss him at the Masters. And but really, it's been the PGA. He's had a first and a second, like you've already said. He's had two seconds at the U.S. Open. He he tends to like you know these other you know the American. Uh, you know the the US Open and PGA events rather than than the Masters, I think. So, um, and I found it a hard time because every week I was saying we were saying you know it looks a big price, it looks long odds, and and there was no evidence to suggest that he was ready to to play well. Uh, and then obviously the evidence is there in front of you. How do you make an argument against it, um, Jason? I don't, you know what are your thoughts on him this week? Uh, I, I've never actually liked backing him, but I texted you on after the second round, I believe, this weekend, yeah. and said 50 to one day looks massive because I thought he, I thought it was a guaranteed shortener, and I didn't take it, and now I regret it. Um, Another one we can uh, thank Ben for. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but if I'd known he was on, I'd have absolutely done that. <laughs> um, I, I always think he does something wrong. Um, having said that. He does look a different player uh, over the last couple of weeks to has he has for quite a considerable while. Um, you, uh, look, you, you, you're right, you do have that worry about this falling off him or, or his back falling off him or whatever he, he's going to happen, especially if it's, it's cooler and the, and the wind starts blowing and stuff. Um, but talent-wise, he, he looks... He looks he, he couldn't be 50 at one, let's put it like that. Um, and he isn't now. Um, so... Yeah, for me, I've missed the boat with him. Um, I regret it because I didn't sort of uh, take my own advice. Um, so I can leave him now, but I can certainly see him contending uh, through Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a whole host of names now that are going to obviously get some you know, substance and backing behind them. But you've got Patrick Reed, who's obviously won the Masters. He's uh, gone close in this event in 2017, as Ben mentioned earlier. I actually just prefer him for for other majors. Uh, I prefer him for a US Open. I know, Ben, I think you put him up for the US Open this year at Winged Foot. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, I've already made my feelings quite clear on him. I think that he's an excellent player, possibly, you know, needed to win in his the peak of his powers. Maybe has he gone over the hill a little bit? It's hard to tell. I think that, you know, he's obviously got a skill set that, that can come back. But I think those were two that I kind of passed over easily before you got to... I, to if Tommy I may, Tom... So sorry, I don't like to interrupt your very good flow, but um, there's one interesting point with Matsuyama. I thought anyway, um, and it it got him closer to my shortlist than perhaps he would have otherwise because he's not really playing his best. I think he's got a confidence issue. I always remember when he lost the he lost the Dunlop Phoenix, I think, in 2017 to Kepka. Um, it was the end of the year when he he almost won the PGA, and he said something like, "I can't I can't beat him. He's too good." And I said, why you know why are you saying that? Because Hideki for a lot of various performances, certainly at Firestone that time. He, he looks like he's unbeatable when the putter rolls. But the, the one interesting thing, I think, is that usually he... I don't know if, if you've ever been on the grounds and you see Hideki Matsuyama walk around an open championship, it's like Tiger Woods is there. Because oh, he is, ridiculous. he's followed by like hundreds of people. Yeah, um, media being the brunt of them. And Japanese media, they send a lot of people over for the open, as I'm sure they do all the majors in normal times. Now, obviously, that's not going to be the case here. It's going to be very limited media access. And I do wonder whether that will help him a little bit. Um, obviously, it's not massively helped him over the last few weeks. But I think where majors are concerned, you know, it would be a huge thing for, for golf in Asia in general and, and Japan in particular, where he to win one. And, and I do think if you're looking for positives for Matsuyama, um, 
which people will be. I, I think that's one of the sort of ones that isn't there right in front of you on paper, that the idea that um, there's just a little bit less expectation on it because, you know, I think he went off 10 to 1 for the PGA in 2017 um, when JT won at 50. So now they've sort of flip-flopped and, you know, wouldn't it be something if they uh, if they traded places there? That's a really interesting point because well, you know, I was at St Andrews in 2015 and, and it was, it was absolute carnage. You couldn't you couldn't see for anything. You know, it's one of those ones where you turn around and go, why is there this massive following? You see it's Hideki on the tee. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting point. Like you say, it hasn't particularly shown up yet, but maybe a greater influence on in the major championships. Um, it's just someone that I haven't particularly, I feel like he hasn't, over, especially over the last couple of years, has given the value back that, you know, maybe I expect. Um, he's obviously gone out to a more battle price this week because of the strength of field, strength of, you know, majors anyway. Um, so he'd be more considered rather than when he comes up 20, 25 to 1 every week. Um, but I thought, you know, as she's saying, you're going to go on to Tommy Fleetwood here. I thought Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, even Ricky Fowler at the moment maybe made more appeal to me than, than Hideki. Yeah, if I just briefly on Fleetwood then, I'd... I, I said already that I think players who've who've just tasted what it's like to to go close in majors, I think they've they've become really interesting. Obviously, he played in the final group at um, at the Open last year, and he was he was I've never seen him as crestfallen as he was when he came off the back of the green. When I kind of thought he'd be fairly breezy about it because Shane had just played so well, but actually Fleetwood was devastated. I, I think he went into Sunday thinking he was going to win the Open. Um, perhaps that was where he went wrong. I don't know. But um, that's three years running where he's had a chance to win a major. Brilliant final round at Shinnecock, obviously. And had it been anyone, Bar Brooks Kepka, I think, uh, having to chase that clubhouse total, I think Fleetwood would have won. And the year before he finished fourth, behind Kepka again in the US Open. So um, he's he served his time. And I think, like obviously with Jason Day, I've put up a guy who's played a lot of golf, but I think with Day, it's it's significant because it tells you that his back's okay. But generally, I quite like people who've played a little bit less, and and Tommy maybe he's not played quite enough. I think that's probably the the grey area. We'll find out this week, but um, he's been in the Hamptons. He's been playing Shinnecock, which could be a great way to prepare, if not just for this, then then winged foot. Um, by all accounts, he's been playing really well. I think anyone who watched the charity event on the eve of the 3M Open will have been really impressed with how he was playing. And then obviously he put a scorecard in his hand the next day and, and he struggled. And I can forgive that. And, you know, he was up and down last week. But again, final round, he played really well. And in particular, if you look at his driving stats last week, they were abysmal for Tommy. Like, really, I think he's dropped from 12th in the season-long total down to about 50th because he was so bad last week. Um, but if you look, the final round, last back nine, every fairway apart from the last. So um, I think there's just a chance that he's, uh, he, his unique preparation might be a, a good one. And not to labour the point, he slings everything right to left. So if I'm right about that, he should play well. Jason, you put him up last week on on a very similar basis to that there with, with what Ben's saying. Do you have any opinion on him this week at all? Yeah, I do. I did put him up last week and I thought he was going to finish next to my amateur rapper um, down the bottom at one point. Um, <laughs> but, don't look at that. Don't even look at them stats. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think there was that was a signal, wasn't it, that last that last round that he's ready to do something now. Let's let's ignore what he's been doing the last three weeks. Um, I agree with you, Ben. I, I don't know how many people saw that um, pre-3M Open four ball, whatever it was. Um, I think it was, was he playing with Stenson? I think. Uh, Casey. It was Casey Wolf oh, and Gordon, Casey, I think. Casey was amazed, yeah. wasn't he? Every shot, Casey was like, wow, you know. Um, Fleetwood was just hitting it beautiful. Um, so it's no surprise, but it's taken him, whatever, six rounds and a few practice rounds to get it right. He... he he, yeah, you, you, I remember Ben 
um, you know, not that I wish to, to, to be like this because I'm not. Um, but I remember you putting up Fleetwood when he really was just, um, uh, you know, a, an average, maybe top 20 European tour player and saying he was going to be a major winner. Um, so fair play. Um, and that is a sign, whether it's right for this week and whether he's going to be absolutely top and he could have done with another run out. We don't know. I don't know how much he's doing in between. But that was a definite sign last Sunday or yesterday. Yeah, I think for me, um, like whether it's this, I, I definitely have a slight worry that it might be too soon. Mm. Um, I think that's compensated by the price because I think if you played really well last week, you could easily be a 20, 28 to one shot here. And there was 55 even, a bit 50s and 45s generally. But I think the, the message from me with Fleetwood would be keep a very close eye on him because um, I think he's, not only do I think he's really well set for majors in his personality, like he's he's a bit like Kepka in that. He's not as intense as Kepka, but he's not one who's going to turn up and say that's not fair. And if you look through all the quotes, like even 2014, 2015, Kepka was asked about Chambers Bay once before uh, before that U.S. Open, and he he said, "Oh look, some people won't like it, but I'll I'll play the golf course, you know." And it didn't work for him then, but obviously it worked for him at Shinnecock and, and Aaron Hills. And I think Tommy's got a very similar approach to it. And I think everything he's done this in this lockdown and say, right, okay, I, I don't want to go and play PGA Tour golf every week. I don't want to leave my family and my, my kid, but I can't miss these majors. So what do I have to do to be primed for those majors? And that's all he will care about. And people might think that seems odd for a guy who's not won on the PGA Tour yet, that he's got ideas above his station, but why shouldn't he aim, aim that high uh, after, after the way he's played in the last three years? And I, I think he'll nail it one week, whether he wins or, or goes close. But I think these three majors to come this year, I'd certainly have Fleetwood high on the shortlist. I think, sorry, Tom, I think you said the same thing, didn't you, last week? I'm, I'm pretty sure over the last couple of weeks you mentioned about Fleetwood and, and how, when I put him up, you said you're not sure how much he's bothered. But yeah, that his only focus was the majors or the big events and that St. Jude wasn't there for him. Um, and therefore he was there in preparation and purely that. Um, and, and yeah, round four suggests that that we should see a much, much better performance of him. Yeah, I mean, he didn't want to play the 3M Open. He had no, you know, if, if the rules that it had changed when, you know, he made that plan, he wouldn't have been there. Uh, the fact that he signed off a 65 to finish yesterday suggests that he's done the work that he needed to do to be ready for this week. It's whether the golf course suits. Um, I'm sure it will do. It's Tommy Fleetwood, um, an excellent player. He's going to win a major at some point, you'd, you'd expect. Um, so yeah, I could, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be against it, you know, 45s and 40 to one, as Ben said, if he'd have played any better last week, he'd be, you know, almost half of that. I just, there's something about him that I think, you know, there's certainly others I'd be interested in. Um, but there's not, I was really interested in Tyrrell Hatton, uh, up mm. until last week. Yeah. I think that he showed a bit of fragility again last week after, uh, after really looking rock solid for a, a long, long time. Um, again, maybe he was just checked out after, you know, realising he couldn't win, uh, went in the water on the last hole yesterday. I don't, yeah, I just think that, that maybe he needs tougher conditions for him to, to get the job done. Um, let's, let's start trying to you know go through these a bit you know quicker now. I think that Gary Woodland is, is obviously striking the ball better than he was at the start of the season, um, but I, I don't really like his chances. Hovland is in that group of players that's... Uh, that's expected to go well wherever he plays. Adam Scott is playing for the first time since the restart. Make of that what you will. He he kind of turns up when he likes and, and does well and was playing really well at the start of the season. 
He was, yeah, and it's, it's got to be a good course for Adam Scott. He hits everything right to left, although he can do everything. I think I've said that point enough now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're right, Tommy does just rock up and play quite a lot. I think this is more pronounced. Um, but knowing Scott, I mean, he, he's very, very diligent. He's been at the course all weekend. He'd been out in North Carolina, I think, before that. And you can say it was really, really hot, so he'll have to deal with a bit of a change in climate. But um, if there's a golfer who you think would turn up and play well off such a break it probably is adam scott like I, I genuinely would have him among the best in the world at being capable of doing that um nothing else to add on him really hovland's sort of half interesting because he's 55 to 1 and him and morikawa were the same sort of price a couple of weeks ago but he he was dreadful last week and it all came after he shanked that chip so um whether his confidence uh, took a bit of a knock i don't know but yeah he wasn't for me either but um, Adam Scott, I've got on the radar for, for potentially wing foot, and I, I did back him for the Open this year, but obviously that uh, that bet's void. Also, I think when I think of Adam Scott, I don't necessarily think of this major. And then you look over the last two years, and he's finished third and eighth, and I think that's a, you know a massive thing. He's done it at the, t- at the end of the year and at the start of the year, and I think you know him just this being the first major of the year is going to suit him massively. He's obviously back to obviously not to his best I would say but he's, he's close to that especially you know winning at Riviera um, and I thought 66 to 1 you're just taking a chance on, on whether he's got enough practice in really so I thought he was interesting um, Jordan Spieth it, you know we keep thinking is it coming is it not um, it's, it appears that it's not um, maybe would prefer it if it was even tougher this week I don't know if either of you guys had any sort of consideration of him at all not me not not especially he need, he needs to drive the ball better um yeah. and you know i i think i'm i'm massively keen on this being a golf course for people who drive it well so as soon as i came to that conclusion he was off the list for all that i'd love you know it's career grand slam if he does it so he'll have my support if he's in contention but uh, he, he he won't have my financial support absolutely i know you spoke about Mickelson earlier he's at 80 to 1 uh i know we spoke briefly sort of suggesting is do i have a view on him i I said to, to Jason a couple of weeks ago that I just generally don't think he cares that much anymore. And I think that sounds mad, but I think unless it's the US Open, I think, and he's really in contention, I, I kind of see him trying to win that. And then he goes and finishes second last week. I thought he was all about his aviators and coffee. Um, and, and then he goes and finishes tied second. So he, he's made me think a little bit more, but I, I still think there's possibly more suitable majors than this one for him. The one thing I'll say about Phil is if if you want 50 years old, he's not 80 to 1. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I have my reservations. And, and anyone who puts up Phil Mickelson after a good week is thinking, well, he's probably not going to play like that this week, is he? And, and every, I get him wrong all the time. I, I put him up for um, Pebble Beach last year. No, Phoenix or Pebble, one of them, and he won the other one. Um, and in back-to-back weeks and that's him he's hard to get right but what i would say is he finished third in saudi arabia and then he finished third in pebble beach early in the year so he's come and finished second at the weekend and i'm hopeful he could build on it and he was very excited um and you look at his game he drove the ball well i think fading off the tee helps him a lot when he just can control it um and everything was working and there have been some signs because he was he played well in the match as well which i know sounds silly but um, he was a halfway leader at the Travellers as well. He's made four cuts in a row. You know, it's just some some good signs. And I guess at the back of my mind, I I I think Phil Mickelson has probably finished winning majors, but I wouldn't be certain, and I wouldn't want to lay eighty to one with ten or eleven places because um, yeah, you know, he 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 got four and a half points here in the Presidents Cup for what that's worth. Yeah, I think he's summed out there. He's someone I wouldn't want to be against, but not necessarily on. I don't know if you're the same sort of line of thinking there, Jason. Um. It- 
when when that flyer was going on, like we discussed earlier, I did. You're talking about, as we said, you were talking about, you know, people who draw the ball. It just looked perfect for uh, Mickelson and his, you know, lefty mate to um, to just fade it round the corner. Um, it, he's been showing signs, hasn't he? I mean, he led uh, uh, Travellers, wasn't it? And he's been showing signs of doing stuff. Can he do it for four rounds? I wouldn't have thought so, personally. Having said that, as we keep going on, these are enhanced each way terms. And yeah, if you can get 80 or 100 to one, then your, your top 20 price is better than you expect it. Um, and it certainly wouldn't rule him out of, of nicking a top 10. Um, I actually think, yeah, there's something about it that makes me think he's going to play really well this week um, without winning. And whether that means he's fifth or whether he's 15th, I don't expect him to to, to be down in the depths by the end. Yeah. Don't know why. player at the same price, Shane Lowry. Um, he, he gets a, a lot of interest in majors and WGCs just because he's he's won one of each of them. But um, he he tends to like obviously you know a bit of wind, a bit of coastal areas there. He's 12th and 8th for his last two PGA Championship starts uh, and played well last week. Ben, what what are your thoughts on him at all? Yeah, I um I was kind of ambivalent to be honest with you. I'm a big fan of Shane and um. You know, I think he's done really well, actually. Like, you look at his results, I'm, he, he's not really had great results, if you look at them on a sort of fairly pure level since he became Open Champion. But I think he's handled himself really well, and he's actually played a lot of good golf. Um, he won the last major. You know, I know it's over a year ago, but, you know, if this had happened the week after that, he probably wouldn't be the price he is. I I just I look at it and see that he was a 70-80 to 1 chance this time last year for the Open. Um, he's massively advantaged by playing in Northern Ireland on a proper links course. And although he's better than that, he's not just a links golfer, but, you know, clearly those are ideal circumstances for him. And I would say these probably aren't. So yeah, I was, I was fairly happy to overlook him, but there's, there's nothing like having won one of these things in terms of turning up and, and believing you can do it again. And, and multiple major champions are fairly commonplace the last 10 or 12 years. So I can see why people would want to back him, but not for me. The other thing as well is just that he had his caddy back last week and that led to him finishing tied sixth. I don't know if there's anything in that. Um, but Jason, have any opinion on Shane Larry at all? No. No opinion. No. Where I, I put up Ches Reavy yesterday at 150 to 1 at 11 places. Uh, that's gone now, obviously. Um, but I just thought that his, you know, his record in this event was actually sneakily better than you know you'd certainly expect. And I think that his actual major record is actually sort of being overlooked now you know tied 22nd 12th and 14th last three pjs third at the us open at pebble last year and third last week as well i thought 150 to one i could overlook enough is obviously lack of distance off the tee now he's coming at 80s and and 100s i'm kind of less interested but i don't know if you guys have a an opinion on him at all he's certainly Um, an advert for ditching pxg clubs but i'll let i'll let jason take (laughs) over Um, no, I mean, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, we were on, weren't we, a couple of times, or, or the pod was on, if you like, a couple of times in exchanges at really big prices. Um, actually, miles bigger than this earlier on in the year, and we, we made a few quid after his moves. I, I seriously have doubts with with that with that lack of drive. Um, he's just going to have to go in with two, three, four clubs bigger than, than the vast majority of the field. Despite, you know, he's going to find the fairway, but... He's going to be at such a disadvantage. Again, boring point. You get 11 places, 150. The way he's playing, why not? Um, but I, I cannot see him finishing in the top. In what we would call standard each way terms, five or six. Uh, just because he hasn't got the length here. 
I know you've got one more. We've purposely not left a lot of time, I think, on these long shots because I think it is. Uh, I think it's sort of foolish to overlook the top of the market this week because I think it's so strong and I think being the first major of the year after a long layoff there's going to be different motivations but uh, Ben I know you were interested in Harris English this week yeah I mean I I like to delve as far down the betting as possible really but when you come to a major you sort of there's a little bit extra pressure I guess you get more readers and stuff but also you kind of your man in the street's not that interested in oh 125 to one shot will finish 12th and you can be very proud of yourself like you don't get anything back um, so you know, I, I sort of, I actually wrote a bit about Jason Duffner and how I, I kept looking at him at 350 to one. Um, and I just thought, you know what, Jason Duffner's not going to win this tournament. So let's forget about it. Right. Um, and I guess you could say the same about Harris English. It's seven years since he won anything and he's certainly not won anything this good, but um, he's got enormous ability. And the, the key for me when I, I went and had a good look at his stats, because I, I put him up a couple of times at the start of the season and I was very sweet on him, but then you kind of think, well, okay, it's, this isn't the Sony Open. It's not the Mayakoba Classic. It's the USPGA. But if you look at the strokes gained total stat, which is the single best statistic to work out how good these guys are, he's in there with, I think he's 10th, um, and he's in there with exclusively elite golfers. Not just, you know, there's not a couple of, like Griot's not in there with him or Johnny Vegas, or whatever. They are exclusively elite golfers, and there's Harris English. And I think basically you've got the 123rd ranked player in the world playing like a top 30 player. Um, and then it's about, right, okay, is it the right course? Is it the right whatever? And there were two key factors which which made the difference and, and turned a no into a yes. One, um, he nearly won at Torrey Pines. He's got generally better form on the West Coast than you might think, being a, a Georgia Bulldog. But number two is the, the COVID thing. Um, he played on his own at the weekend at the Memorial Tournament, finished 13th. He had to play in a one ball both weeks. He said that he wasn't allowed to use any of the equipment. He, he just felt, he's, his words were, I felt like I got leprosy. Um, he just did not feel part of the tournament. And then it was the same. I think he got to play in a two ball at the 3M Open with um, with maybe Denny McCarthy or Dylan Fratelli at the weekend. Um, but again, really slow when you're playing with three balls in front of you and behind. It's just not, it's hard to get into a rhythm. And this is the first week he's back as a normal golfer. And I think that'll be a massive advantage to him. Now, it's not going to make him a major champion from, from being a so-so player. But my view of Harris English is positive anyway so when you put all those things together i was happy to take 150 i'm afraid he's shortening all the time if you can't get bigger than 100 then you probably miss the boat and you know they use the same price as bob watson now so i think there'll be a lot of people who think that that would not make a lot of sense but i will say this harris english will win a golf tournament in the next 12 months and if it's this one i'll be very happy but perhaps it'll be the windham at uh, 33 to 1 in a couple of weeks Yes, bro. I think I think that's more like just looking at his major record. I mean, you know, I know he's playing at a level that he hasn't played at in the past. But you know, when he had, uh, you know, a two-win season in 2013, I know he only played in one major, uh, two majors that year, and he finished 15th for the Open, which is his best ever major finish. So that's a good indicator of what he can do in form. My worry is that he hasn't won. Uh, you know, playing at the level that he's playing now, and then he's got to step up and do that in a major. But that's obviously built into the triple-digit price. It's a um, long time. The, the one thing I say about his major record is 12 cuts made in 15. I think he's really quite strong. Obviously, he needs to step up massively because he doesn't have a top 10. But I, there are a lot of players who'd um, who'd miss a lot more cuts than that playing like he does. I think he's got so much confidence now. So I, I really do think he'll play well. Like if you ask me, will he play well? I'd be fairly bullish about that. But there's playing well and there's winning a major, isn't there? So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think before last week, I was quite interested in Danny Willett. Um, I think that he's been sort of playing better golf recently. 
Um, certainly before last week, he was uh, had some really good starts, and um, I just thought when he starts showing some signs, and then you get to a course where he you know finished third in in the match play as well. I thought that was quite interesting, but he was off last week, and and I don't know if really. He's a big enough price to get too excited about now. I don't know, Jason, do you have any opinion on that? Um, there are bits and pieces, aren't there, that you that you you'd like to be with him. It's, it's to be honest with you, he's not in my he's not in my top twenty. So, you know, um, that's my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have many um, opinions on many players down here. I thought that if if we're going to go anywhere on the angle of Olympic Golf Club. Um, and the Pebble Beach, you know, theory. Then, then Graham McDowell looks a massive price at 350 to one. You can get him out. I know it's only the seven places, but you've got sort of like 250 at 11 places. And if there's anything in that at all, um, then you're basically he's just been written off. Um, you know, when he's actually won this season. When you look at, you know, his uh, win record and, and performances in in golf, it's just, it's very similar to Justin Rose. They both got a major. They both got a similar amount of wins. Um, and he's not treated like that because it's been so long since he's been at his best. I don't know if any of you have got anything to say on, on Graham McDowell at all. He's just a bit unfashionable, isn't he? You know, um, that that's the nature, the, the way golf has moved over the last five years. People think players like McDowell have, have got no chance. Um, to be honest, he probably hasn't got much of a chance around here. But um, <laughs> he played all right last week, didn't he, at St. Jude? But you just look at his figures. He's, just, he's given up two or three shots off the tee near enough every tournament. You know, heritage is the last time he gained shots off the tee, and that's because you, you, if you hit it 300 yards, you've, you've hit it into the trees. So um, it, it's a really difficult thing to overcome. And when you put poorly like you did last week, you, you've got no chance. So he'll, he'll need to find something with the putter, but he's one of those, you know, if, you, if he's in the mix on Sunday, you feel pretty happy with yourself. Yeah, I think he needs he needs it to err on the side of tougher than than most. Um, you know, that's why he played so well at the US Opens, where he won and finished second. So it is purely just based on the, on the California and, and the links there. Um, Jason, have you got any more free figure odds that you wanted to talk about? I uh, thought Eric Ben Ruin was quite interesting. Um, not saying he's going to win. Um, definitely going in the right direction. Definitely improving. Um, he's he's uh, form off the tee box. Uh, he's going to give him chances um, certainly not saying he's good enough but he was um, obviously placed top 10 in the PGA last year um, which probably surprises most people to be honest with you um, I thought it was definitely interesting and whether that's in top South African rather than rather than obviously the each way but he's there isn't he he's top 20 when he plays he's top 20 and he's top 20 in good tournaments the Heritage Memorial Last week finished with a 65, was a bogey-free back nine. Um, I thought he was really interesting. I think he's on the way up without obviously being this class yet. Um, so I'll be looking at him for top South African, definitely. Uh, maybe those top 20 bets or something like that. Um, I thought Matt Wolf was interesting. Again, he won't win. Um, but I'd like to see his progression. Um, another one that took part in that in that silly four ball that we endured um, during lockdown. Um he was quite interesting. Um, Michael Thompson's playing well. So he's not going to be long enough to compete. Um, so we'll forget him. But yeah, that, yeah, I think I think Van Ruyen was definitely definitely one. Cameron Champ, obviously, you know, is based mainly on his distance off the tee, um, but he's probably too naive to to be cute around here. But I mean, he he was I think he was eighth at halfway at the U.S. Open when it was seven thousand seven hundred yard. Um, and I think we've agreed that this may not be quite just smash it and find it. Cool. So we'll forget him. So, yeah, I've gone back to, to Eric Viking and um, 
he'll be he'll be my three figure one in some way um, of all those lot out there. I just think it's just one of those, and again, that's why I said that we kind of left it towards the end, just a really and short amount of time. I just don't think you need to go this far down. I think the winner comes from the top 10, 15 in the betting anyway. Um, I think we've all had made strong cases for several players up there. There was one name that I thought was probably a slightly bigger price, but again, I don't think he's going to win. That's Ryan Palmer. Um, I thought you know he's second and fifteenth the last two times, second at Memorial, fifteenth at the you know WGC last week. Um, and he struck the ball really nicely, finished with a 64, finished 7th in strokes gained approach, um, and 13th in ball striking. And when you look, you know, his best finish in a major championship came in this event uh, when he was 5th in 2014. Um, and he's obviously had that runner-up at, at Torrey Pines as well, behind Jason Day. I don't, I don't think he's good enough based on, you know, evidence to say that he can win a major championship. I think if he was going to do it, it'd be, you know, slightly earlier in his career, and he's 43 now. Um, but I just thought that he's, you know, he's playing better than his price suggests. He, he hits everything with a draw, Tom, as well. So there you go. Um, there we go. Maybe he's got a better chance than we think. The way he hit the ball on Sunday was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, certainly for the first 15 or so holes, I think they forgot about him after that. But he he, he had seven feet for birdie on every hole, near enough. Um, he's one of those. I'll, I'll be previewing the round one leader market on Tuesday. I think um, Van Royen is on my shortlist for that, actually. Um I give you a bit of a spoiler, but I, hopefully Boyle Sports aren't listening. But um, Nick, Nick Taylor is 250 to one with Boyles to to lead after round one. Now I, I'm not massive on round by round scoring averages, but in three of the last four years he's been top 20 on the PGA Tour for round one scoring. I mean that that in itself is a fairly when you consider he's never ranked higher than his current 100th in the world. Um, I think that makes him interesting. You throw in the fact that he won in California earlier this year, and you know it becomes even more interesting. Um, and I think there's there's four runners in the top Canadian market, and he's six to one with ball sports again. I mean, they obviously don't like Nick Taylor, but um, he's six to one to beat Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, and Mackenzie Hughes. Well, he was second. The same four played last week. Um, Connors beat Taylor by a shot, and I can't have the difference in their price seven to four and six to one. Um, especially as Connors will have a, a few shockers on the greens, I'm sure. So, yeah, I, th- I think Nick Taylor's one to look at in the specials. The other last thing I'd just say is that have a look at the three-ball coupon this week. You'll get 10 to 11 about a player to beat someone who's got an injury and someone who's a 52-year-old club pro from Minnesota. So do have a look because mm-hmm. there are some gifts to be found. Yeah, I'm a little bit little bit upset about the uh, the three-ball. I had a seven-fold yesterday and Carl Stanley tied with Adam Schenk to uh, to cost that uh, at the Barracuda. So I was a bit... It- bit disappointed about that but you know accumulators are mugs game so here we are tweet about it it makes you feel better it does yeah i had a little rant this morning it's okay and someone just told me it was a liberty and i moved on and and i got on with my working day so there we go uh jason anything to add or are we happy just to round up our picks now no random up just say that i've looked up eric's uh price for top south african it's five with firm you can't get on with so um it's fours he's got louis obviously bez charles schwartz or uh fritelli and norris to beat i actually think that's very very fair so i'll be definitely looking at there's a south african angle here as well in the 2015 match play uh, all four of them played really well three made the last 16 the other one was kurt Seer, who won two games and and lost on count back or something um and louis eustazen came off the course after day one and said it just reminds me of being back home in south africa i've no idea why but um they all played really well so i mean maybe that's not a great thing for the top south african market if they all play well obviously but yeah i, I do like eric in in some way mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's uh, summarise our pick. Ben, just give us your outright selections before we go. Yeah, so I love uh, Shoffley and Cantlay. I, I think they're both rock solid. There's an element of chasing those places and just hoping it's their time. Um, uh, I like Tommy, hoping his preparation is a uh, a work, a stroke of genius, um, and he'll go really well. Jason Day is, is slap you in the face, obvious. I think Phil Mickelson is massively overpriced, and um, Harris English, the last one, you know, he's he's a lot better golfer than his price. Whether he's ready to actually contend for a major, we'll we'll find out this week. And Jason, over to you. Yeah, um, I mean, I haven't firmed anything up yet. We, you know, Eric, I think has firmed himself up tonight, so I'll be getting on in a few few ways. Uh, my main bet is Daniel Berger. I think he's absolutely guaranteed to be there. Um, I think he'll, um, it's a really not, it's not a word, but out accuracy, an awful lot of those above him in the market. So he's my main bet. I am interested in Hatton, but last week was appalling. Um, wish it hadn't really taken place, but then of course you get a bigger price. Um, DJ, I'm probably going to save on. He, four weeks ago, he was 12 to 1, believe it or not. Um, everybody else seems to have been around about the same price. Um, in fact, you can get 10 bigger. I know we've got those dodgy two tournaments, but it's DJ, isn't it? Um, so he's definitely going to be there. Um, and, and uh, yeah, as I say, Eric, and that's probably it. Adam Scott's very, very interesting because uh, we know he can turn up from any any point. Again, he'll probably be one I get with as well. But they're, they're up in the air at the moment. It will definitely be DJ uh, and definitely be Berger. And they're it at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm just I'm very firm on, on the shuffle lane dusting from the top of the market. I know it doesn't take a, a genius to point those out, but hopefully we've made a case uh, for those. I think as we've been talking, I think Adam Scott is someone that I'll probably look to get on the side if you can get over 50 to 1 on him because I just think that if anyone's going to turn up here and lightly run and succeed, it's going to be him. And like you say, I was very interested in Tyrrell Hatton. I was very interested in Webb Simpson. I think there's a couple of things that have gone against them in recent weeks. Um, and I just don't think you really need to go far outside the top 10, you know, 15 in the betting to, to really get too involved. So I think, you know, we can always check back here on Wednesday and we might tweet out any additional picks that we make with, with further research or, you know, prices going out and tea times and things like that. But as it stands, those are our picks and, and we're happy to move on and enjoy the first major of the year. Ben, thank you very much for joining us. And Jason, thank you again for this week. Thank nice to speak to you both, gents. Thanks a lot.